With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talk podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are ready to roll here as we recap week one of the college football season. What an opening week of college football. It was so exciting to see it. Uh, before we, we keep going, make sure to hit the, the like and subscribe buttons to get notifications. Uh, find us at Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple. Make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to everyone who's been listening so far. It's been really exciting to see your support and just uh, even some of the feedback I've gotten so far. Thanks so much and and make sure to keep it coming. Uh, Definitely make sure to hit a review if you're on Apple as well. Uh, Feel free to leave a review there. We'd love to hear your feedback, whether it's positive, negative, just, just hit the review button and rate it for us few things that we're going to do today, uh, as, as you guys listen, we're not going to do picks yet. We're actually going to leave that for Friday and Friday's podcast. So we're going to do two this week. What I want to do today is I want to talk about a few things. I want to do a, a recap of week one, kind of the picks, talk about where I was right, where I was wrong, what, what surprised me. And then I want to talk about my current top 10 And then I want to get to the Big 12 expansion news. I know that's not Big 10 news, but it does relate to them a little bit. I want to just kind of talk to you about my process and and how I'm thinking about that and what I think about the the report that four teams are joining the Big 12. I'll also hit my week one takeaways, my, my overall takeaways from week one before that. So let's just dive right in. Let me recap for you where I was right. I went 11 and three this week. I think probably my best pick, or I think my, my most accurate pick was the Alabama Miami pick it. They Alabama won 44 to 13. And I had Alabama Miami at 45 to 14. And so I was not surprised at all how that game went. I thought it was pretty obvious that Miami was going to be overmatched, not because I think that they're a, terrible team it's just this is what Alabama does in season openers against power five teams I had mentioned this stat last week the average score the past nine years 41 to 12 and so they won 44 to 13 it's pretty much right on the nose and so I, I was surprised at how many people were shocked by the score at the end this was going to happen. This is what Nick Saban does in season openers. It's what Alabama does in season openers. I don't think it's necessarily indicative of 
what's going to happen in the future. They are my number one team, just spoiler alert, but I'll explain that more as we get to the top 10. Uh, when 11 and three overall, I, 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 I picked the right winners of, I think all the biggest games. So Penn state over Wisconsin, I was right on that. I, I think I had a five point margin of victory. They won by six. I picked Iowa, right. Although I was shocked by the score. I'll get to that a little bit later. Georgia Clemson shocked by how low scoring it was, but I thought Georgia was going to win that game. And I thought a lot of it was because it was going to be because of the defense boy, did their defense play well. And then I, Ohio state, I had winning by 21. They won by 14. I thought it would be a tough game in the first half or a close game in the first half and that Ohio state would pull away. It was a little closer than I thought it would be, but it went about the way I thought it would. Uh, the one game I lost Illinois, I, I did lose it, but I was pretty confident that the game was going to be a toss up. And it was, uh, Illinois had a chance to tie the game at the, uh, at the end and Texas San Antonio denied them. They were going to be a tough out. And so I thought that was right about where I thought the game would be. And then all the other games aside from two others, uh, we, we won and it was pretty close in, in most of them. Uh, the, probably the one that shocked me the most was Rutgers dropping 61 on temple. I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to win comfortably. I didn't think it'd be that comfortable where I was wrong. Boy, Michigan state proved me wrong in so many ways. I had them going 0 and nine in the big 10. I had them losing obviously to Northwestern and I had no respect for Kenneth Walker. Uh, that has changed. Kenneth Walker, 23 carries, 264 yards, four touchdowns. Goodness, he was spectacular uh, from the opening play. I think he had a 75-yard touchdown right, right from the get-go. And he did it against a Pat Fitzgerald coach defense. Michigan State looks much better than I thought they would be this year. Now, it's week one. Maybe they caught fire and maybe they cool down next week. Uh, but I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see Michigan State play Miami next week and see what that game looks like. On the flip side, I was way off on Northwestern and I'm concerned about them moving forward. I had them at nine and three for the season. I'm really concerned about that prediction. I don't think that they're going nine and three after seeing them play against Michigan state. I know it's week one, but I thought that they were much worse than I expected. Although Hunter Johnson, I thought played well. I thought he threw some good deep passes, but in general, I, I don't know if they're going to be anywhere near the top of the West at this point. I was also, I was surprised that UNC got upset, but I, I was surprised in the sense that I thought I didn't think Sam Howell would struggle the way he did. He threw three picks. They only scored 10 points. Virginia tech's defense was excellent, but I was surprised at how, how weak Sam Howell was in that game. So credit to Virginia tech. They were great. Uh, shout out to my, to my brother, Dan Hall, go Hokies. Um, so that's where I was wrong uh, in, in the week one re recap. What was I surprised by? I, I thought the offensive coaching was weird in a couple games. Penn State at Wisconsin, particularly Penn State, 
Penn State has really good playmakers, and you saw it in spots. Jahan Dotson was a man. You know, he had that long touchdown in the bust in coverage. And they had a couple other big, big shot plays to him. A couple overthrows as well by, by Clifford, which is, I think, what you're going to typically get from Clifford. A couple of big-time throws and a couple of, of duds. But in general, I thought Clifford played pretty well. But I was surprised that a lot of Penn State's offensive game plan early and, and even to the third and early fourth quarter was let's run running backs up the middle. It just felt like a really odd strategy when, in the, especially in the first quarter, you saw that they could not get anything in the middle of Wisconsin's defense. It made no sense to me. And I, I kept saying throughout the game, get to the edges, get to the edges, get to the edges. Finally, Noah Kane took, uh, took uh, a, I think it was a swing out 31 yards in the, in the fourth quarter. I'm like, why have you not done this all game? They are clearly strong up the middle, go to the edges. They're not as, as fast there. Um, so I thought, I thought that was odd. Wisconsin also just felt, they, they felt discombobulated. They had the, the fumbles, they had uh, just some, some bad luck uh, with those fumbles. Obviously they lost some, uh, I think they missed a kick. But I was surprised at how poorly Graham Mertz played. I, I didn't think he, he played all that well. Some of that was the defensive back seven. Penn State's uh, secondary was phenomenal in this game. But I was very surprised by the offensive game plans by both teams. I also thought Georgia in particular was, was just baffling to me. Clemson, they, they struggled. I thought their offensive line was going to be weak because of the, the departure of Jackson Carmen. And DJ Uyunglele is, is young. And I think we realized that, hey, young quarterbacks, sometimes they struggle. We saw that with pretty much everybody except Bryce Young at Alabama. But Georgia, I, I understand that they had a lot of playmakers out but I just don't understand why you didn't attack downfield more in that game, especially against a defensive line as good as Clemson's. I don't think Clemson's back seven is nearly as good as their defensive line. Their defensive line is probably a top two defensive line in the country, but I just did not understand that strategy. They finally were able to get Zamir white going uh, to ice the game away, but just thought that was, Odd offensive coaching. The other, the other thing I was really surprised by, I, I had Iowa beating Indiana, but I did not have them throttling them the way they did. I mean, it was over at halftime. It was 31 to three. Uh, Riley Moss is a stud at defensive back, two pick sixes. And I, the second interception, he just baited Michael Penix. He was absolutely sensational. And I thought Spencer Petrus, played efficiently. Tyler Goodson was really good, but Indiana's offense was a hot mess and I'm concerned about them moving forward. Again, I, I didn't think they were going to be a contender in the East this year. I, I thought they were going to take a step back record wise, but they did not look good. And granted, Iowa can do that to you at home, but I'm, I'm, I'm really skeptical about them moving forward they got a tough game against Cincinnati in week three and they, they play a sneaky, sneaky opponent in Idaho. I know I, people might say Idaho, that's not tough, but they can score. And I hope Indiana just kind of gets back on track, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about them. 
here's my week when week one takeaways. And, and with, with all that I just said about the recap, here's the main takeaway that I want to, I want to give you both for week one and week two. Week one is the hardest week to predict because you're picking somewhat blind, especially it's especially hard to pick when the, the games are more even and it's especially difficult when you have preseason rankings. And so you have, for instance, number one, Alabama against number 14, Miami. But you really don't know if Miami is the 14th best team in the country. And you really don't know if Alabama is the number one team in the country. Everything is based on projection. And so week one is the toughest week to predict because you just don't know how teams are going to respond. You don't know how talent is going to equate and so it, it's just very hard to figure out what's going to happen, which leads me to this upcoming week as, as I start making picks for week two. Week two is the second hardest week because the temptation is to overreact, right? So my guess is a lot of people thought Illinois was going to have a walk in the park against Texas San Antonio because they beat Nebraska. and it was not going to be a walk in the park. Texas San Antonio is, is a decent mid-major conference USA team went seven and five last year. And Illinois is still not a great big 10 team. They fought for their coach. They beat a big 10 team. They beat a big 10 team that quite honestly is a mess. And so I think some folks overreacted. They had Illinois as a favorite Texas San Antonio goes into Champaign and, and wins. And so the, the, the reality is it's going to be easy to overreact in week two. So for instance, again, everybody thinks Alabama is unbeatable and they're probably one of the top three teams in college football. I have them number one right now, but let's just remember what they did this week is what they do every year in week one. So let's, let's chill out. Miami lost their two best pass rushers, both first rounders in the NFL draft they gave up 62 points to North Carolina at the end of last year. Not saying Alabama won't be the national champion, but let, let's just see a few more games first before we make any declarations that Alabama is unbeatable. I don't think they're unbeatable. Uh, I think the Pac-12 struggled. Obviously, Washington lost to Montana. Oregon came very close to losing to Fresno State. But I, I think part of that performance is as much tied to coaching out the rustiness uh, from entering the season as it is the talent. So my guess is Oregon is a little better than they showed against Fresno State. I would imagine Washington is probably not as bad as Montana. So I, I, I'm still a little skeptical about how Ohio State and Michigan are going to do against those two teams because I'm not so sure that they're as bad as people think they are. Uh, and, and just to give you a, a heads up, the Michigan line right now for Washington is minus six. That feels low for them playing a team that just lost to an FCS school. And so typically when that happens, I'm like, uh, somebody knows something that I don't. And so I, I, I'm... I think that's going to be a tough game to predict. Uh, I would not be surprised if Washington comes out and pulls the upset. 
I'm not, I'm not going to pick that. Uh, I already kind of have an idea of what I'm going to pick for that game, but just understand that just because week one was a mess for the PAC 12 does not mean that it will be a mess moving forward. So just, just to give you some insight there, playoff implications. I do think the ACC is in trouble. Uh, Clemson does not have a clear path to get back into the conversation without help. And the reality is they don't face anyone that has any real buzz about them. Miami just got beaten. That's not, they're not on their regular schedule. UNC not on the regular schedule and they just got beat. Florida state had a real chance to, to turn some heads with uh, a win over Notre Dame and they couldn't get it done. Although I do think Florida state acquitted themselves very well. And I think they should be ranked uh, based on that performance. They, they were excellent and, Man, Mackenzie Milton, that him coming back to college football is amazing. So great. Like I, I Florida State might be something down the road, but the ACC really struggled. And I I Clemson needs a lot of help. They need a lot of teams to lose and probably lose more than once to have real a real conversation back into the playoff. The SEC, on the other hand, obviously they're in really good position. Georgia has a signature win. Everybody thinks Alabama is the number one team. Texas A&M has a favorable schedule. And so I, I think there's a path easily for two teams out of the SEC to get in. And I think the Big Ten is in a really good spot. Even if, if Ohio State would lose this week to Oregon, I think they're, they're probably in a much better spot because Clemson is probably out. And the Big Ten did really well this week. So Iowa, Penn State, now obviously they have other, other games that are going to raise or lower the stock. You know, Penn State's got to play Auburn. Iowa plays Iowa State this week. Michigan plays Washington. Michigan State plays Miami. So like there's other games that will raise or lower the stock. But right now the Big Ten is in, in really good position to at least get one team in. Uh, and I, I really, I think Notre Dame, I know they went to overtime Florida state, but I think Jack Cohn's going to do well for them as a starter. Don't count them out of the playoff race that I did not think of them early on in my playoff picks, but I think they are going to be a team to be reckoned with down the road. I really liked what they did. I thought they played in spurts really, really well. I think. Marcus Freeman probably has to adjust some things at D coordinator, but Notre Dame is, is, I think they're going to be legit this year again. So th th those are my week one takeaways. Let me just go through my top 10 and we'll do this every week. I'll go through my, my current top 10, who I think is in there. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I wanted to just do a fresh slate, but it's really hard when you know the preseason rankings so I'll confess, I'm a little bit of a slave to the preseason rankings, but I'm trying not to be. And so this is probably a, my best adjustment as, as a mix to, to that. I don't have Cincinnati in. They are one of my teams just out, as is UCLA. I, I want to see more from, I want to see consistency from UCLA. And I think with Cincinnati, they got to beat Indiana and Notre Dame. Because if they can't, they're just out. They're, they're just not good enough if they can't beat those teams. So I, I don't have Cincinnati uh, in my top 10 yet. 
I think they can work their way into it. Uh, Texas, USC, Florida are other teams kind of on the cusp. I think Texas looked good, but I want to see more. I don't necessarily trust them yet, even though I think Steve Sarkeesian is a great coach. But here's, here's where I, I'll start with my top 10. Number 10, I have Oregon. I thought they might struggle a little bit with Fresno State. I didn't think it would be a seven-point game. But Fresno State has a, has a really good passing attack. They had two defensive backs out for that game, uh, two potential starters and Jamar Hill and DJ James are coming back. There is some questions around Kayvon Thibodeau and whether he's going to, he's going to play this week. I, I would imagine he'll play. I think 75% Kayvon Thibodeau is probably better than most defensive ends in the country. So I, I think their defense will get better. And I think they're going to make life a little bit tougher for CJ Stroud I, I still have a lot of question marks about their offense, though. Anthony Brown was serviceable against Fresno State. The running game was pretty weak. The receivers are decent. Johnny Johnson is pretty good. But I, I, I need to see more. I, I think the Oregon-Ohio State game is going to tell us a lot about both teams coming up this week. I've got Penn State at nine. I, I think the win at Camp Randall, it was huge for James Franklin's program. Their, their back seven's filthy. It, they're so good. I mean, it's it's one of the best secondaries in college football. Joey Porter Jr., Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown. I mean, they were phenomenal on on Saturday. And I know Wisconsin is not known to throw, but Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are are good weapons. Jake Ferguson at tight end, really good. I, I think Graham Mertz is a bit overhyped at quarterback, but still, I thought it was a really good win for Penn state. I think their athleticism showed at the right times. And I think they're just going to grow into that talent as, as they continue on. I've got Iowa at eight. I, I really like the Hawkeyes. I think they beat Iowa state this week. Uh, again, I'll, I'll talk more about that on the Friday pod. And then I, I think three through seven, is interchangeable. Seven, I've got Clemson, great defensive line, you know, held up against Georgia. You know, it was only a seven-point game. Their offense is tied, but that offense, the offensive line has to get better, and DJ Uwe Ungulale has to play up to, up to better standards. I know he's young, but I, I do think if – they're not careful. They could drop another game in the ACC because of that, that offensive line. Texas A&M, I have six. They were slow. They're sleepwalking against Kent State. I think they will continue to progress, and they have some time to progress before they play Alabama. Number five, I have Notre Dame. I think people will probably raise eyebrows at, eyebrows at this, but I, I really do think Florida State might be a top 15 top 10 caliber team I, I need to see them play a couple more games but just looking at the talent and seeing Notre Dame play with them in in that environment you know with the the Mackenzie Milton story the Bobby Bowden tribute I, I thought they acquitted themselves well they were up 18 at one point and then I think they kind of shut it down a little bit on both sides of the ball uh, I thought Jack Cohn played really well 
uh, set the record for opening day yards for a Notre Dame quarterback. And I thought he, he threw a lot of good balls. He, he's got to work on his deep ball, obviously. But I, I really like Notre, Notre Dame. I thought they played really well. I have Oklahoma at four. It, Oklahoma's tough because they were up 40 to 17 and then Tulane came back, but they let Tulane back in the game. And there's no reason why they should have. Tulane was, uh, they were discombobulated from having to move from New Orleans to play that game in Oklahoma, in Norman, in front of their fans. And they still almost got upset. It's a bad look, but I I think Oklahoma showed that they were much better in the first two and a half quarters, but they, they played sloppy let Tulane back in the game. I'm not going to dock them that much, but I do have them at four, three. I have Ohio state. I think Minnesota could be a legit team in the West this year. It really stinks that Mo Ibrahim is out for the year with a, I think it was a snapped Achilles, which is just devastating for them. Ohio state has a lot of questions on defense. They were down a couple starters uh, at defensive back, but they have a lot of questions and so that's why I, three through seven, I, I I feel like I don't have a good answer for how I should order them. That's, I think you could you could organize any of those five in any direction and make a good argument for for all five of those teams. Uh, and I I don't think that Iowa, Penn State, or Oregon are beating any of those teams, which might give you an, an insight into what I think is going to happen in the Ohio State Oregon game. Georgia, I have number two best defense I've seen in 10 years. They are so filthy on defense. And then the number one team I have is Alabama, not because they beat Miami, but because they're the only complete team I've seen so far. Great offense, great defense, great special teams. Bryce Young is, is really, really good. Uh, No, not much drop off at quarterback. I think he could be really special. So that's my top 10. I'm going to, I'm going to send you out here uh, as we end just with some thoughts about the news out there about the Big 12 possibly adding BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. And the, the news is coming out that uh, Bob Bowlesby, the, the commissioner of the Big 12, really wants to show that the Big 12 is not imploding, that it's, it's going to be a great conference, that it's going to survive the departure of Oklahoma and Texas. And I, I don't know what the Big 12 can do, but this feels like not the right move. To be honest, I don't know if there is a right move, but I don't think this is it. Because the reality is, if you're the Big 12, who's the face of your conference? None of these teams that you're bringing in gives you much added exposure or competitive excellence or an alumni base. They certainly don't generate more revenue. And so what's the point? Like, I don't understand it. It feels like what they have done is they have just added more Oklahoma States and TCUs, which you might think, well, Oklahoma State's good every other year and TCU is decent. West Virginia is pretty good, right? 
And so these teams, you know, BYU has had some good years. They had Zach Wilson as a number two overall pick in the draft. Cincinnati could be a playoff team this year. UCF claims a national championship in 2017 because they went undefeated, right? This is a good move by the Big 12. So here's my, here's my counter argument. Why did the Big 10, Pac-12, and the ACC choose to form an alliance over poaching the rest of the Big 12 teams after Oklahoma and Texas? And the reason is because none of those Big 12 teams move the needle. The Big 10 could go out and get Oklahoma State. They could get Kansas. They could go get Cincinnati. They could go get BYU, but they're not. Why? Because it doesn't do anything for their, their conference. It doesn't do anything for them. The Pac-12 could get BYU. Heck, it'd be a, a natural rival for Utah. But why aren't they? Well, because it's not good enough. It doesn't generate more revenue. And, and here's the reality. You have no team in the conference that is a mainstay in the national picture. Oklahoma State might be up there once in a while. Texas Tech might be up there once in a while. TCU and Cincinnati and BYU, they might be up there once in a while. But listen, the Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas is like the Big 10 without Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Like, who are you selling at that point to the rest of the nation as the face of your conference? I don't mean this as a shot to Wisconsin or Iowa, but like, my guess is most people aren't buying the Big Ten's playoff hopes because of Wisconsin and Iowa most seasons. Typically, they're playing spoiler. They're great compliments to the Blue Bloods but they're compliments. To be a compliment, you need someone else. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, BYU, Cincinnati, they're great compliments to the big boys of your conference. They, they provide good storylines. They provide good competitive fire, right? Because is Oklahoma State going to break through this year? And sometimes they do, and that's great. But no one's buying the Big 12 because of Oklahoma State. They're buying it because of Oklahoma and Texas. And now they're gone. And this is why the, the Big 12 is in so much trouble. Not because Oklahoma State can't hack it most years, but because most people don't want to see Oklahoma State across the country. They want Oklahoma. Like Ohio State is not scheduling Oklahoma State most years. They want Oklahoma. They want Texas. Right. And that's that's the case in every conference. The ACC has three or four massive programs that anchor that conference. The Pac-12 has USC and Oregon has kind of become that. And, and Washington, I know they, they just lost to Montana, but Washington is is a traditional program. Obviously, the SEC has like seven or eight traditional anchoring programs. Who does the Big 12 have? They, they don't have anyone that can anchor their conference and be the face. And that's why I, th I think 
at, at the end of the day, the Big 12 is not going to be a Power 5 co- conference moving forward. And as, as fun as this might sound to say, hey, the Big 12 is getting four teams to make them a 14-team conference so they can be like everybody else, the reality is they're not like everybody else. They don't have an anchor anymore. And so at, at the best, at best case scenario, they stay in the playoff discussion every once in a while. But I think in reality, what, what's going to happen is they're, they're going to be the new version of the American conference where they have some decent teams that merit some conversation in the top 10, maybe the first two out, they'll get a new year six bid and that's it. And that's sad to me. I, I think that's sad that the big 12 is going to become more and more irrelevant. So that that's my take on it. I hope I'm wrong. But if you think about it, why did Nebraska and Colorado get out of the Big 12? Because they knew if Oklahoma and Texas left, they were in a lot of trouble. I think the same thing, I, I think they had foresight that a lot of other Big 12 teams should have had, knowing that, that Texas might bolt. And now the Big 12 is in a lot of trouble. And so I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I actually hope that the Big 12 stays around and it becomes a competitive conference with other power five conferences, but without Oklahoma and Texas, I just don't see it. So that's, that's, that's my take on it. I I hope you guys have enjoyed this, uh, this episode. Again, if you uh, think of it, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Apple or Google or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and leave a review. Let, let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. And uh, thanks again for listening to Big Ten Football Talk. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim, and I will, I'll be dropping another episode on Friday. Have a good night. God bless. Bye.